You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will be focusing on what we do when tragedy strikes in the story of Lazarus and Jesus. To everyone, Jesus delayed in going to Lazarus, but it ultimately worked to God's glory. Our scripture text comes from John chapter 11, starting at verse 25. Today's message is entitled, Rocked My World. Some people this morning that are here with us today, and I want to take just a moment to recognize Norma's family, Dennis Larry Stewart's family that are with us this morning, officers Mark Stern and Terry McDonald. From the City Church family, we want to extend our deepest sympathies. We want to say that we're sorry, and we love you. We love you deeply. Your church family loves you. It's obvious that the community loves you. And we want to thank, in particular this morning, uh, Officers Mark Stein and Terry McDonald for your support, for your love. And I've never worked with people like this. Your professionalism has gone above and beyond anything that I've ever seen. I want to thank you for the love and the concern that you've demonstrated and showed to the Stewart family. And on behalf of Norma and the mom and the family that's here today, we just say sorry. We love you. Our world was rocked. Wednesday night, actually during the day Wednesday, David already told me that his father had been sick and, and uh, that Norma had to take Dennis to the, to the hospital early in the morning. And uh, they began to run tests and try to find what was wrong, and they weren't able to find what was wrong. And throughout the day, his condition worsened, and by 1.10 in the morning, Dennis went to be with the Lord. A shock. Our world was rocked. Norma's world was rocked. Family's world rocked. Community, the place that he worked, world was rocked. We're rocked. We're shaken. Our church is shaking. I'm running. I'm trying to find out where they're at. They're on the way. They're going to Dave's house. I meet them at Dave's house. And, and Bill and Linda and the Hogs were there. And we're just shocked. I don't know how to say it. You're just shocked. It's just one of those things you're not planning on. It's unexpected. I had lunch with Dennis last month. I talked to Dennis all the time. Called him on the phone. We're going to try to get together again. You know, the reality today, the reality today is that we will all have a moment, if not more than one moment, where people's worlds are rocked. About a month ago, a sudden earthquake hit a small Caribbean island called Haiti. And the people of that nation, their world was rocked. 250,000 people instantly were gone. A million, over a million people displaced. Shock came not only to that nation, but to the world. Several years ago, a a hurricane blew into the United States of America and hit one of our coastal cities. And it wasn't so much the hurricane, because we've all experienced hurricanes here, but it was the dams that that, that contained Lake Pontchartrain. And the dam broke, and the water flooded into the city, and thousands of people passed, and, and untold billions of dollars of damage were done. Massive destruction that this nation has never seen. I've seen in my lifetime uh, my very own family, a cousin, 26 years of age, as a result of a needle in his arm full of cocaine and heroin and a quarter Jack Daniels expire and went on to his eternal destiny. I buried people because of car crashes uh, as a result of just being an innocent motor. I buried people that have attended this church who've had metal fall off of a rack at the place that they worked and hit them in the chest and instantly killed them. I've held babies in my arm in the hospital who breathed their last breath as they were misdiagnosed by doctors. I rushed to the side of a family of Officer Dennis Larry Stewart 
Christian, man of God, a person who loved Christ. It's rocked our world. But I want to leave you this morning with a message of hope. I want to declare to you today that what we've experienced in this church is the, is the reality and it is also the destiny of human history. We have a great example of how to respond in times like these. You see, what I've discovered about the Bible is that the Bible either becomes pages of ink written on a, on a piece of paper of human history. It becomes rules and regulations and laws and legalism. Or it becomes living words. It becomes life. It becomes strength. It becomes your source of hope and breath. And you realize that without it, you cannot live. You see, Jesus either becomes to you a man who is just in a time of history written on some pages of paper, or he becomes your Lord. He becomes your best friend. He becomes the God that when you begin to sing, I'll stand. You stand from the inside of your being, not just with your physical posture, but you're standing before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, every person here in this room at some point is going to come to this place. Every person in this room has a date with destiny. Has a date. It's a promise. We know it. We know it. We're just never prepared for it. I've said many times, and I'll say it again, everybody wants to go to heaven, just not yet. You see, we want to live. There's something abominable, abominable in the human spirit that wants to fight for life. We love to live. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to John chapter 11. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Because it's a story that shows the heart of Christ. It shows the love of God in a way that we can really wrap our heart and mind around. Because if you've lived any period of time, you've walked through these suddenlies. You've experienced these moments. I've experienced them in my own family, in my own life. I've received the phone calls. I've had my father on the end of the phone, on the end of the line, and my mother with her and her dying moments in the hospital. We've experienced these in our lives. We're just never quite prepared for them. I know this morning, this message, I know this message is for this church. You see, when Jesus lived on the planet, every opportunity he used as a teaching moment. If there was a need to pay taxes, it was a teaching moment on faith. If there was a responsibility that the people had to do certain things, it was a teaching moment on how they were to respond. If someone was opposing them and being critical of the work that they were doing on earth, Jesus used it as a teaching moment on how to love other people. Everything in Jesus' life was a teaching moment. When a person who was on the side of the road, who'd been an outcast from society and culture because of the leprosy that was contained in his body, and it wasn't like today where people would hang out with people who had these kind of terminal diseases. It was a day when people were put outside the camp for fear that they would contract those diseases. Jesus used it as a teaching moment to touch the untouchables. You see, everything that Jesus did was a teaching moment. And our story this morning about a man named Lazarus, he really answers the question, what do you do when tragedy strikes your world? How do you respond when tragedy strikes your world? John chapter 11, we're going to begin with verse number 25. And the Bible says, And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, 
the Son of God who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary had reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come alongside with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not have opened the eyes of the blind man, kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead for four days. Then Jesus said, I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. And so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a really soft voice. He, saw, he called out in a really gentle voice. Come out, Lazarus. No, Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says the dead man came out in his hands and feet, wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Let us pray. Father, in these next few moments, I know this morning there is great sadness and great sorrow in our hearts. Father, this morning for Norma, I come today And I just agree. Lord, I've been amazed at her strength and grace as I've seen your hand upon her. How she's had to walk through so many things, things that no one expects. No one is ready for this moment. God, I've seen your hand with her. And I thank you today, Lord. I thank you for her family that loves you and is standing by her side. I I pray for Dennis's mother that's here today. And God, I pray that you will give her strength and grace and sustain her and and for Debbie, and for Dave, and, and for TJ, and for, and, and for Stephen, and for Johnny, and, and for Nathan today. I pray for this whole family. God, I ask for sustaining, amazing grace to be their portion. But Father, I pray this morning, this morning and at this moment that this will be a, an opportunity for us to learn, to grow, to fall more in love with you. I thank you that your grace is truly amazing in our time of need. God, I pray not only for the hearer to hear, but I pray that every word that I say would not just be my words, but they'd be words that you direct me to speak. I ask this now in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. You see, what I have discovered about the course of human life is that in moments like these, they present an opportunity to be a crisis of faith. In moments like these, when we have these un Un, uh, un- understandable. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but these, these experiences that we can't jive with our life, when we have these kinds of things that rock our world, it has the potential to rock our faith. 
Mary and Martha, who were friends of Jesus. I love this story because if you just go back up a few verses and you read the story in context, you see the relationship that these two sisters and this man Lazarus had with Jesus. They were his friends. They were his followers. Their lives had been dramatically changed by his presence and by his power. My wife just leaned over to me when Glenn was taking the offering and there was a woman, her and her husband, about five weeks ago came into the church. They didn't know Christ. They never had a relationship with the Lord. And as they sat there on a Sunday morning, God touched their hearts and poured out love into them. And they were like, wow, I need this. I want this. And, and my wife said this morning as she was writing out her tithe check, five weeks a Christian, five weeks, she's writing out her tithe check. My wife says, I'm so proud of you. She said, for all that God has done for me in the last five weeks, it's the least I could do. It's the least I could do. See, she had a relationship with the living Lord, with the Jesus Christ who is the King of Kings. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, the individuals in our story this morning, all knew Christ. They had a relationship with Him, but not only that, He loved them. He loved them. Jesus had lots of friends. Lots of people knew about Christ because He was famous. He was popular. He was the miracle worker. He was the incredible teacher. He was the person that did all these kinds of things. But very few could call him a close personal friend. Someone who would sit down with and have dinner with and knew them on a first name basis. Jesus loved him. The Bible says that Jesus loved Lazarus. And Lazarus loved Jesus. You see, many people come to this moment, and I want you to see, even in our story in verse 20 and 21, a few verses before I read, the Bible says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. God, if you would have answered that prayer, I wouldn't have lost my job and then had to lose my home. God, if you just would have done this, where are you, God, in my time of need? God, obviously you don't really care. Over the years, every person in this room has had opportunities to have crisis of faith. Sometimes we go down that path and go down that trail and allow that frustration and that hurt and that pain to build bitterness in our heart. And that wall that Pastor Glenn talked about, it's a wall of separation that separates us from God. It's not God separating us from Him. It's us separating us from Him. It's not God doing it. It's us pulling back from the amazing love and grace of God in our time of need. You see, I've been with people. I've heard their cries. I've heard their complaints. Why do bad things happen to good people? He's too good of a person for that to happen to. And I don't know why bad things happen to good people. But what I've discovered, if you live long enough, bad things happen to all people. There are things that happen to everyone in this room that are unfair. And it doesn't make sense when we look at what is fair and right and just. We live in a world that has fallen. We live in a world that was meant to be perfect because of the choice of Adam and Eve who represent all of human race. Not just Adam and Eve. All of human race made a choice to turn from God and to live life by their own feelings, by their own plans, by their own purposes, and hope that it would work out in the end. You see, this, these two sisters, in particular Martha, God, where were you? If my brother would have, if, if you would have come, Jesus, my brother would have lived. You know, I find these kinds of things happening in our own minds, in our own hearts. Where are you, Jesus? Come on, don't you see this, Jesus? Don't you know what's happening, God? Well, and, and, and if we shift the blame from there, then we want to blame ourselves. Man, if I would have only done this, if I would have just 
gone to this doctor, if I would have just made this decision about my employment, if I just would have said this about that relationship, then it would have turned out different. The would-haves and the could-haves and the should-haves of life never have a satisfactory answer. It never brings good fruit. It leaves you frustrated. It leaves you like, I don't know, and I don't, uh, you know, it leaves you, God, yeah, God, but I, I tried that, and I did that, and through your course of life, you will meet all kinds of people who have been in the kingdom, who know God, but because of the trials and the stuff of life have just fallen away. It hasn't been their number one priority. Why? Why? Easy question. Very difficult answer. You can ask why all day long, but the, re- the reality is, is that most of the time you'll never get a satisfactory answer. My cousin, 26 years of age, as a result of his own doing, expired, died a terrible death. I can explain how he died, but I don't know why he did what he did. We grew up in the same family. We grew up in the same home. We grew up in the same area. We went to the same schools. You know, my parents and his parents had been friends their whole life. I don't know why he went down that trail. I don't know why he made that choice. I can't give you an answer. You see, today, many times we want answers to questions that are not easy to understand. Jesus, when it came to this very question... When the disciples came to him and said, okay, because in many people's frame of mind is if you die early or something happens bad in your life, you did something bad. A lot of people, and they're thinking, that's, you know, you, ought, you must have done something bad, therefore, that's why that happened. So we get this kind of cause and effect relationship with God going, and it doesn't make sense, and that doesn't work because sometimes you're living like the stinking devil, and good things happen to you, Right? Come on, there are people out there that are just living life. They go, I mean, they're having sex with whoever they want to have sex with, and they're drinking whatever they want to drink, and they're going to whatever movies, and they're pursuing the way of life, and the way that the world says, you know, is the living large and in charge, and they got the big boat or the big house, and it looks like they have a good life. And so that doesn't work. Obviously, there's something wrong with that picture. It's not a cause and effect like that. And Jesus, when he dealt with this issue of why, when they came to him, he says it like this. What do you, what do you think? Do you think that these Galileans, these men who died at the hands of Pilate, Pilate was a wicked leader, and he took their blood, the blood of the Jewish people, and he mixed it with wine. He was evil in his intentions. Do you think that those people were worse than other Galileans? I tell you, no. No. Bad things happen to people. Things that are unexplainable happen to us all. You see, this morning, here is the reality, and it's difficult for us to grasp. In over 170 questions that were directly asked to Jesus, he only gave two direct answers. You can ask questions, and many times we can ask questions, but the way we're asking them and the motive that we're asking behind them, God's already given you the answer. He's already told you. He's already said that He loved you. He already told you that He would be with you. He already spoke over you that I care for you. He already said that I paid it all. He already said that I did it. He already said that He was a good God. He just simply wants you to believe. See, here's the bottom line. Life lesson. Life is short, 
and truly there is no promise of tomorrow. Hear me today. We say this every week at City Church. I have a purpose, and my purpose is to win souls. I best fulfill my purpose when I'm with other Christians. I, you know, since uh, I, I will live fully for, I have no promise of tomorrow, therefore I will live fully for Christ today. We say, and I've been saying it for years, and I'll preach it, I have a purpose. My purpose is to win people to Christ. I best fulfill my purpose when I'm with other people. I will never be satisfied, bong, 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 and I have no promise of tomorrow. And the reality is most of us are going to leave this room, and we're going to be alive tomorrow. Statistically, but you don't know. We just don't know. You see, but there's hope. There's hope. Pain and suffering in this world through Christ has hope. Hear me this morning. Paul the Apostle said it like this Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fixed our eyes on what is is one unseen, but we fix our eyes what is unseen. For what is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's eternal. We're fixing our focus. You see, in times of great tragedy, in times when our world is being rocked, Jesus is calling out to us. Look at verse number 28 with me this morning. And the Bible says that after she said this, after Martha said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. Jesus is here. And he's asking for you. He's asking for you. Lesson of faith. Lesson of faith. Two people. Same family. Two different responses. Two different responses. In my own family, my response to the death of my mother was different than my sister's response. We're different. We process differently. We deal with grief differently. But I want you to know it was okay with God. You see, this morning, (coughs) the focus this morning... The focus for Martha was to bring Mary to Jesus. Mary, Jesus is calling for you. Mary, Jesus is calling for you. And you know what the cool thing is? The Bible says that Mary got up and she ran to Jesus. You see, it's in times when your world is being rocked, you got a choice. Who are you going to run to? Are you going to run to the psychologist? Are you going to run to the counselor? Are you going to run to the pastor? And you might do some of those things. But let me tell you today, Jesus saying, listen, come on to me, baby. Come on home, daughter. Come on home, son. I love you. I want you to know this morning. You see, Mary and Martha did one thing. They might not have had all the answers to why figured out. But when Jesus came a-calling, they ran. You see, he Hebrews chapter 11 says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who is your eye fixed on today? You see, if your eye is fixed on a paycheck, if your eye is fixed on a pocketbook, if your eye is fixed on me, if your eye is fixed on your husband, if your eye is fixed on your wife or the president or a politician, if your eye is fixed on anyone else, 
be greatly disappointed. But I want you to know this morning, I've settled it. I've made a determination in my heart and mind. When my world starts to get rocked, and it's been rocked, it's been shaken, i got a Savior, and His name is Jesus. And I keep my eyes fixed on Him. I'm over here in the storm, and my boat's beginning to rock. But I see the cross of Calvary, and Jesus there, who shed and died for me with His own precious blood, declared, it is finished. When it gets really tough out there and there's not enough money at the end of the month I'm saying come on Jesus I'm keeping my eyes fixed on you I want you to know today when tragedy strikes your world you got a choice you can look to Jesus or you can look to a pill you can look to Jesus or you can look to a bottle you can look to Jesus you can look to another man but this morning when you make a decision like Mary like Martha who loved Jesus I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on the Savior I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus today is it easy no way when you're on the boat and it's all shaking and it doesn't make any sense and you're crying Jesus come on you're crying out look at Jesus You may not be doing this externally. I'm pretty fired up right now. But inside, you know what I'm talking about. Come on. Your world's being shaken. And you're rocking this morning. The challenge today is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Mary in her grief just couldn't deal with it. She just couldn't deal with it. She had to stay back. But when the master called, when Jesus called, I love this story because it takes the life of Jesus from the pages of a book and it makes it so real because we can relate, we understand, we know. See, they both recognized. They were willing to listen to the voice. When Mary heard this, she quickly got up. One translation says, when she got up, she ran to him. She just didn't like lollygag, kind of make, take a little walk around. She didn't kind of take a little drift over here by the bar first, and then she's going to go. No, when Jesus called, she was running. When Jesus called, she ran to him. She went quickly. She knew. She knew. See, Mary's one of these great characters in the Bible also because Mary had been possessed by seven devils. You know, when you've got devils inside of you, you do all kinds of stupid stuff. I've done all kinds of stupid stuff. I can tell you how not to do it. At the age of 19, my grandfather, who had been really the one person in my life that I believed, accepted me unconditionally, was an alcoholic, drank every day of his life from the time he was probably 12 years of age, and at the age of 72, he expired. My grandfather, my worldview of history and of life and the great boxers of the past and the fighters and and the baseball players and the football players came from my grandfather. I know the names like Joe Lewis and Casey Stingle and some of the old-time greats from the 20s, and I knew them because of my grandfather. I knew about the old days, and I knew about the Great Depression and those kinds of things and what it was like as a 12-year-old boy having to go out and, and work for your family because there wasn't enough money, so you had to leave school. I heard those stories. And at the age of 72, he went off to his eternal destiny. As far as I know, never made a profession in Christ. I want you to know when I knew that he was dying, I did it the wrong way. I went out and grabbed the bottle, went out and got drunk, went to his funeral, stoned and high. I can tell you how to do it the wrong way, and I can tell you it brings no resolve and no answer. 
But let me tell you what happens when I'm at Jesus. Let me tell you about when the Savior comes into your world and rocks your world and changes your world. You see, then when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. When my mother at the age of 42 dies of cancer, I lay hands on her believing she's going to be healed because now I know a Savior who loves to heal. At the age of 52, when she finally does expire and goes on to her eternal reward, I can celebrate and stand before a crowd of people and declare in a local church that God is good and He loves people and has a wonderful plan for their life. Several years later, when my father went home to glory, I can tell you what it's like to stand up behind a pulpit in front of an audience of hundreds and hundreds of people and declare the goodness of God and the power of the resurrection. That wasn't me, folks. That was the living Lord and Savior ruling and reigning in my life, giving me the strength and the power to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Give the Lord a hand clap in the house this morning. In times of tragedy, He's calling out, I can't do it on my own. It's impossible, folks. In times of tragedy, they produce great compassion. But they also can produce great commotion. For a lot of people, when tragedy strikes, it's times to really release compassion. We've seen it in this nation. I mean, I don't care what you think about the movie stars and all those people, but let me tell you, when Haiti was rocked, you know what was cool? It was so cool to see see people step to the plate. To see people from all different cultures and backgrounds and belief systems step up to the plate and a sense of compassion. You know what I've discovered? The longer that I live, the most like God that I ever am, the most like God that I ever am is when I do the things that God did. Did you hear me today? People can talk a good talk about being religious and being a Christian, but listen, folks, unless you put some feet to your faith, it don't mean nothing. It's zippo, zero. People stepped up. But I want you to know today, we're thankful for all those who out there, they did what they did. But you know the church of Jesus Christ gave way more. You know, local churches across America have given hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you know that the churches of Jesus Christ, the churches who believe that the risen Savior, the one who was written about in this book is alive and his power has power to change all human lives. I want you to know that for years to come, we'll give hundreds of millions of dollars. It will send missionaries. They will build orphanages. They will educate the children. Haiti does not have a public educational system. It's the believers. It's the followers in Yeshua, the living God, the Messiah, the one who gives hope that goes in there and pours out their love and grace. I'm grateful for all acts of compassion and kindness that are showing to people in their time of tragedy. But let me tell you today, something happens in a heart of a believer that wants to respond in times of need. I'm so proud of this church. And I'm so proud of the community. The phone calls and the people that have responded at this sudden uh, going home of Dennis. I'm just overwhelmed to see the way people are acting and the compassion that's been demonstrated It's an amazing display and the testimony. You see, the message that I will preach this Tuesday will be this. The greatest men, the greatest men have the greatest God. 
the greatest men who've ever lived on the face of the earth, whether it was Abraham of old, Isaac his son, and Jacob his grandson, whether it was King David who would come into the presence and the courts of Almighty God and could care less what anybody else thought and would become a worshiper of Him. I don't care if it was Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, the prophet Hosea, Malachi, I want you to know the greatest men that have ever lived on this planet. Peter, James, John, Paul the Apostle are one of the twelve. I want you to know the greatest men have the greatest God. Hallelujah. Alright, here's some commotion. I'm going to give you some dumb things not to say, okay? We're going to have a teachable moment right here, okay? We've had a great loss in our church. I don't understand. I don't get no answers. I'm going to give you some teachable moments here. These are some things not to say to the family, okay? So don't say dumb things, all right? Don't say right now he's in a better place. Okay, we know that. But we've got to deal with the here and now. Here's, this is the tension. We live here and the not yet is here. And we have this struggle between the two places. So let's not say dumb things. When I was about 25 years of age, I was in Bible college, and I didn't understand it then, but I'm 46 years of age, so 21 years later, I was starting to get it. Just starting to get it. There are some things in your life that you got to teach that thing right there. you got to teach that thing right there to say, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know. It's not the moment for you to expound on all your theological understanding about life after death and all these kinds of things. It's not your teachable moment to talk about diet and health and what it could have, should have. It's not your moment because it's not about you. You see, they came alongside. The friends of Mary and Martha came alongside and they just mourned. And they mourned the loss. And they mourned the grief. And yeah, you know, we're going to have questions and we're going to say, you know, and there might be some things that come up that could have been done differently, but you know what? It ain't going to change the fact. And so we grieve with those who grieve. Paul the Apostle said, we weep with those who weep. Now listen, I'm an easy crier. So, you know, I know that different people deal with this differently. I told the first service, I said, I've been to a grand opening of, this is a true story, ask my wife, grand opening of a supermarket or some big strip mall and I've been standing there, they cut the ribbon and choked up, you know, I just get choked up, I don't know why I cry, but I also am very passionate, on the other side, I can get angry, and I try not to, and last night, if you, where this place was packed last night, we had an incredible time in prayer, if you were at the, if you didn't go to the prayer meeting, well, it's your, your, your loss, it was our gain, man, we had an incredible time, come on, give the Lord a hand clap, and I text Glenn, I text Glenn at about, I don't know, about 11.30 last night, I'm laying there in bed, and I text Glenn, and I said, who is that bald guy up in the front going crazy, man? I was like, I was thinking about some of the things that I was doing last night. I'm thinking, man, this guy's nuts. That guy's crazy. I'm crazy. Like, they used to sing this song, crazy, crazy for him. I'm like, crazy. I'm crazy for him. Last night, we were crazy for God. Man, I've been crazy for the devil. I know that one. That one leads to death. I'm going to be crazy for God because that's the pathway to life. And I love living. I love laying next to my wife at night. I love getting up in the morning and hugging my boys and giving them a a kiss on the cheek. I love to come here with you on a Sunday morning and worship God. I love life. I don't like everything about life, but I love life. I don't also like some of the people in life, but I'm working on that one. Amen. 
Come on, teachable moment. Don't pretend you have some answer. If they're blaming God in that moment, don't join with them. Okay? You know, sometimes we're so full of mercy for people that we just say dumb things. Don't show up drunk. All right? Just, I mean, don't make the situation worse. Make it better. We've got political differences. So what? Dennis and I, we have political differences. So what? I had lunch. I broke bread. We love one another. We were brothers in Christ. We had the same mission. We had the same mission, same motive, just a different approach to get there. We lay aside relational differences, national differences. We lay aside ideological beliefs. We lay aside all those things because it's in times like these we demonstrate compassion. Listen. Say, I don't know. I'm sorry. Hug them. Show love with hugs, not drugs. That's our motto here. Hugs, not drugs. Everybody say, hugs, not drugs. Hugs, not drugs. And if you've got a problem with drugs, celebrate recovery. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. It's okay. Come on. It's okay. You're in a safe place. You are in it. We won't tell uh, Officer Stein over here that you have a problem. Come on. I'm just saying, we're a safe place. We're not here to push you down. We're here to lift you up. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to encourage you. We're here to build you up. You see, ultimately, the power and control is in God's hands. For Lazarus, his story in this moment was different. He got to live another day. Jesus was on the scene. You're hearing my voice today. You're hearing my voice today. You have another moment. You got another opportunity. For Lazarus, it was, come out. That was loud. Come out. Come out. Wake up. I have a purpose. If you're alive today, listen to my voice. If you're sucking air on this planet, you got a mission. You got a purpose. God's got a plan. He's in control. History, listen, history is his story. His fabrics weave this giant patchwork, all weaving it together, every, every thread. You're a thread. God's weaving it all together. Because at the end, those who believe, not all of humanity, listen to me, not all of humanity, only those who believe in the living Lord, the risen Savior, the Son of God, Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christo, whatever you want to give him his name, in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father who has revealed himself to the Son, who lives in us by his Spirit, those who believe will spend with him forever. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's everlasting. If you believe, he told Martha, if you believe, you will not die. Oh, wait a second. You don't know. Come on, what are you talking about? Oh, yes. This thing will perish. This thing will pass away. This thing's going to shrivel up, get like a prune. This thing's going to get old if you fulfill your days. This thing that's inside, you can't see, is going to live forever. The choices you make today determine where you're going to live forever and ever with him or the other place. Not so good. Now, listen to me. Here's some things I want, to, want you to take away. Real quick, I'm going to wrap this up. 
One, let's just, let's accept it. We don't understand it. I know we can intellectualize it and all those kinds of things, but tragedy is a part of the human existence. Believe that ultimately God is going to get the glory. Somehow, some way, I don't know, out of Dennis Larry, right? Dennis, I don't know, but I know this week there's been a lot of people that have already been touched. There's been a lot of people that have already, I got to meet some really cool people, and I've been exposed to a whole other way of thinking and a whole other way of life, and there's been some really cool things just in my life, and I can imagine what's happening in other people's lives. I'm believing that. I'm believing that with this tragedy, God's going to turn into triumph. We can comfort one another. Let's comfort. Let's protect our family member. Can we do that? Let's protect the kids. Let's protect Norma. Let's protect her family. Let's not be the ones that say dumb things. Can we do that? Can we be the ones that love, show care? Dave, I love you. I love you, Dave. Dave, I love you. I love you, brother. Dave, I love you. Make a decision in your time. and your time. Whatever the pain, whatever it is, Make a decision today. You're going to run to Jesus. Make that decision today. I am. I am. I am. I am. When Jesus said he was a, I am, listen to me. When he said I was the I am, that was the same God that spoke to Moses two, almost 2,000 years before. Same God. I am eternal. I've existed forever. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the alpha and the omega. I am all. And in you, and you, I am all that consists. He cares today about you. Norma, he loves you. This tragedy is going to be a great triumph. I don't know how. I don't know how. But I know God. I know my God. He's changed this man. Never the same. Oh, I've had many failures. I've stumbled along the path. He's always picked me up. See, Muhammad might teach me, Buddha might teach me, and someone else might teach me. What Jesus did is he reached down from Calvary's tree. I was sinking in miry sand. I was sinking below, beneath the load of sin. But he reached down and he touched me. We're sinking under the grief and the pain of sorrow and sadness. Norma, he's reaching down and he's calling your name. He loves you. Norma, come to me. I'm here, Norma. Run to me. Listen to me today. David, David, he loves you. He loves you. Mama, he loves you. Sister, he loves you. Aunt and uncle, he loves you. Nathan, he loves you. Stephen, you know I love you. Teacher, where are you at? I can't find you. Why don't I miss you? Teacher. Officer Terry loves you. Officer Mark, he loves you. Guys, he loves us. He's just saying, come on. You're not going to understand it. And I I know you got questions. I'm big. Go ahead, ask me. Ask me whatever you want to ask me. No big deal. You can do it. It's no big deal. I'm big. I got big shoulders. I can take the hardest question. You might not get the answer you want to hear right now. I'm going to love you. I'm going to take you in my arms. And I'm going to say, I'm sorry. He's going to weep with you. He weeps with those who weep. And he cries with those who cries. Because he is love. God is love. That's it, folks. God is love. 
You want to sum up everything I know about God? I don't know, know a lot. God is love. Thanks for listening to this message, Rocked My World, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.